is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio with myself, Tom Offerman, my partner in crime, Jacob Breck. We're breaking down the Steelers' loss to the Cincinnati Bengals 24-10 at Heinz Field this past Sunday. Steelers fall to 1-2 on the season. We talked a lot in our previous episode today. You can give that a listen at Steelers.com, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts about Ben and that offensive line and just ugh, how really sickening it is to watch that offense. They've scored four touchdowns total in their first three games of the 2021 season. They scored one touchdown offensively against the Bills. They scored two against the Raiders, so it was a high-powered day in that game. And then they scored one lowly touchdown against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. So they're averaging just over one touchdown a game clip right now, and that's not going to get things done in the NFL. But what about that defensive side of the ball? Uh, We mentioned them briefly, but I don't really put too much of the blame on them in this game. Obviously, the one play that I circle as can't happen is that Jamar Chase deep ball, 34-yard touchdown pass from Burrow to Chase Mm -hmm. to end the first half right after the Steelers had just gone down the field. Uh, There's only a minute and four seconds left on the clock after Fryermuth caught that touchdown from Ben. It was an eight-minute and 32-second, 15-play, 86-yard drive that tied the game. It was perfect. It's exactly what you wanted. You think you end the half. You're going into halftime at 7-7, seven to seven, but not it's so only, fast. only, what, 37 seconds left? Well, that's when Burrow scored. There was only a minute and four when the Bengals got the ball back. 37 seconds left. Jamar Chase, 34-yard pass from Burrow. Three plays, 75 yards, and 27 seconds of time off the clock to go up 14-7 to seven into halftime. The big play on that drive, other than the Jamar Chase, was the Melvin Ingram uh, pass uh, roughing the passer call pretty egregious did Daniel you see the roughing the passer call? call last night on against the Packers no it was even worse it came toward the end of the game but oh my gosh Tom some of these roughing the passer calls are just mind-boggling well, here's the problem with what happened with Ingram I don't think it was roughing the passer but you came in high and sometimes refs don't get a full look at what happened but in their peripheral they see Ingram coming up high on the quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that's just an automatic flag every time. So do I think that that was a questionable call and another one of these calls that you put under the category of, I thought we were playing football here? Yes, I do. But I also get, just based on how the thing, that penalty is called in the NFL, why they called that play. Uh, There's nothing I'm going to sit here and say that Ingram needs to do differently because you needed to get at least some pressure in Burrow's kitchen, and that's what Melvin Ingram does best. But, again, I'm not going to sit here and, and bang the table and say that that was the most egregious call I've ever seen. No. I, I can get why the It also wasn't it. what killed the Steelers. It was only second down. It wasn't like it was third down. They got it, the it, stop and kept the drive alive. It put them in field goal range for sure, but you can still hold them to the field goal, like, and you can still make it 10-7 to 7 going into halftime. You don't need to give up that deep ball to Jamar Chase. And that brings me to my next point. Is the deep ball a problem now for this defense? That's two weeks in a row that they've had the top taken off of them. And an, a big-time game-changing play has happened based on a breakdown in the back of the secondary. Is it a case of the Raiders game being that they were very injured? 
and that's going to happen when you're depleted injury-wise at that secondary spot. In the Bengals' case, was it just a matter of Jamar Chase is a really, really good wide receiver that just beat his man in single coverage? I don't know, but what I do know is it's now becoming a bit of a trend, and it's a trend that you really want to see them eliminate because if your offense is that bad, you cannot be giving up splash plays like that with your defense. You have to make other offenses earn every single point, every single yard that they get. You need to make them sweat third and goals mm-hmm. at the five in the red zone before they punch the ball, and you can't, you can't have them scoring from 40, 60 yards down the field. Week in and week out, it, it's it's been an issue. Um, and I, we know the rugs play that came uh, last week, but. I'll go back to week one when there was a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders for Josh Allen, and luckily for the Steelers, he just overthrew him. But that would have been three weeks in a row, Tom, that the Steelers allowed a deep touchdown pass. And I think that one against Emmanuel Sanders would have been the longest of the season. Um, But luckily for the Steelers, they caught a break there. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. You know, That could have been three weeks in a row, first three games that they get hit deep like that, and they should have. And they absolutely should have. And going back, talking about this drive, I want to put more emphasis on this Melvin Ingram thing. It didn't kill. It really didn't kill you. You still had the opportunity to button up. I mean, yes, it was a 15-yard penalty, but they were still on their own side of the football field, so they weren't in field goal position actually. So there was a chance that you could still go into halftime tied and come out maybe get another key defensive stop for the Bengals' first possession of the second half, and then your offense kind of carries their own high uh, from their their touchdown drive, and maybe they put points up on the board, and they take the lead. That's something that didn't happen. I think that Jamar Chase touchdown, even though it was only in the second half, I think set the tone for the rest of the game because finally, 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 it took until the last drive of the second half for your team the last meaningful drive because there was only 37 seconds left in the clock, but I guess I shouldn't be saying uh, that with too much doubt because it only took Aaron Rodgers however many seconds last last night to go down the field and kick a game-winning field goal for Mason Crosby. Some teams can do it, some teams can't, and we know the Pittsburgh Steelers cannot move the ball that efficiently down the field in that short amount of time, but when your offense has has had such a bad day to start as the Steelers did, and then they finally have something like that, um, that result, a drive like that that resulted in the Friday touchdown. All your confidence, all your momentum is immediately taken away with that Jamar Chase touchdown. Yes, that big uh, splash play by Jamar Chase is something that you can't have happen. And another thing you can't have happen is turnovers giving the Bengals a short field to work with. You saw that in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals kicked a field goal. On their opening possession of uh, the second half, great drive from Cincinnati. Took a lot of time off the clock, uh, almost uh, about six minutes, it seems. Yeah, almost six minutes. McPherson, 43-yard field goal. Puts them up 17-7, to and then just three plays later, Ben Roethlisberger throws one, one of, of his worst interceptions, worst interceptions in his career. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um don't even really know what he was thinking there in his post-game press conference. He really couldn't even give you that great of an answer. I think he gave you just the normal football speak answer where he thought he saw a guy there and guy came in his vision that he didn't see and blah, blah, blah. But it was just one of the worst passes. So so bad that if the defender had dropped it, I almost wouldn't have been surprised because it's one of those where he's like surprised the ball's even there. Right. 
and he doesn't drop it. Logan Wilson gets the second interception of the game, and it sets the Bengals up at a very short field. They're at Pittsburgh's 19-yard line after, after the interception. Uh, all it takes is three plays for Joe Burrow to find Jamar Chase again for nine yards and a touchdown pass. You, you can't give him a short field like that, especially when you're down by two scores now. You know, the Bengals' offense isn't there yet, but it is still damn good enough to take care of 19 yards to get into the end zone. And now you can't give him that. The offense looked perfectly fine, perfectly capable. Joe Burrow had a great day, minus that one tip ball interception. You got to pick. That's the thing too is you got an interception off of him. So like that's a you didn't rare, take advantage. That's rare to do, and you didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, not in the past. It's rare. This year, it's rare. It's only their. It's only their first interception on the year. They've only had three turnovers through three games all year long. I meant more so rare for Burrow. I know he had three interceptions oh, okay, against okay. the Bears, but before that Bears game, he never turns the ball no, over. No, he, so he, 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 I did think he only thing. had five interceptions in his career before that three interception game. So, like, you did something, yeah, rare this year for the Steelers, your first interception, but, but also rare for Joe Burrow. you turn over a guy that going into this game, that was a big key is turn a guy right. over that doesn't turn the ball over much. And and you, But you didn't take advantage of it. No, right? you punted I mean, the you ball just after punted that, the ball. Yeah. And I don't, know, I don't know if it was a three and out or something close to it, but you didn't put any points on the board, which is the whole point of turning the ball over is to give your team another chance to score. But returning to the Bengals' offense, I mean, we talked about Joe Mixon having 90 carries. Er, 90 carries. That'd be uh, a little a little high for any running back. Uh, 90 yards through the ground. Joe Burrow had a really good day. And that was all without T. Higgins, right? Tyler Boyd's out there. He's, he's, he's doing something. He's doing whatever. But, it's I mean, Jamar Chase is a, is a guy. I think it's only been a couple of weeks. It's only been three weeks. But he's looked like a first-round capable Fifth overall pick. He's the offensive rookie of the year right now. Right now, I he would is. Say. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any question about that because Najee Harris hasn't been given the opportunity to be a rookie of the year for the, for the offense and the quarterbacks. They're all kind of floundering a little bit. They're all. Not, I mean, Trey Lance looked pretty good last night for San Francisco, but you're only seeing. But he's not the starter, and he's yeah. not playing. And Jimmy G was the one who led the comeback for them, so you're it's right. not like his show yet. You're right. Uh, and I mean, we can talk more about that, but yes, right now Jamar Chase, yeah, he's the impact, is the yeah. offensive rookie of the year right now. I don't think anyone's going to debate it, especially after yesterday, two touchdowns, including one which was a deep ball to end the second or to end the first half. He is looking like a guy who no one would skip out on with the fifth overall pick if if he's still sitting there. So good for the Bengals on. Making good on that pick, uh, fifth overall or third overall, I'm not really sure, um, but still certainly high in that draft. It was top five pick, uh, and it was criticized by absolutely uh, us by included, us, saying, "What do you do? Penny Sewell is going to be a first team All Pro within like three years. He's going to be a, a probable Hall of Famer." Everyone was saying he's the most highly touted offensive lineman to come out of this draft in in years, and you're going to pass on him. Now, he's doing just fine in Detroit. He he is doing good things for them in Detroit. I mean, that team almost won against the Baltimore Ravens. We could talk about that game later as well. But still, right now, for the Bengals, I think they wanted a playmaker like Jamar Chase, and they certainly got one. And, yeah, I mean, the the offense really put this defense to shame. I thought going into yesterday's game, I knew our offense wasn't going to perform well, even though the Cincinnati defense isn't anything that's going to make you lose sleep over. Right, it's a, it's a beatable defense, but but the offense is just that bad that you were saying 
if you're going to win this game, if you're the Steelers, it's going to be something like 16-13 to 13 or 13-7. to 7. It's going to be low scoring. But you expected the defense to keep this offense as well in check because this offense isn't something that intimidated you that much coming into, into week three. But that, that mindset was totally put to rest because Joe Burrow picked apart this offense. Uh, Joe Mixon had a field day running the ball including that one near 30-yard gainer, which, again, is something you don't see the, the Steelers allow in the past. But going back to the Devin Singletary game, I mean, they had two key runs by him in week one. And then the, just yesterday, Joe Mixon, just you're, you don't, you're seeing a lot on defense. And, again, it's not necessarily their fault because they're without Stephon Tewitt. They are now without Tyson Alualu. They were without T.J. Watt. Those are three front guys that usually you only need one or two of them, but to be without all three of them, it's going to be a lot harder of a day for you to have three guys who you're used to starting on the sidelines. Defense giving you a little 2018 or excuse me, 2017 vibes, just a little bit mm-hmm. with the deep balls that they're giving up and the big uh, splash plays on the ground. Uh, Talking about the Bengals and, you know, their choice of taking Jamar Chase instead of Penny Sewell, they like their tackles, Jonah Williams and Riley Reef. They think that they're good, and they want to develop those two guys. It's also important to remember that it's not like they completely ignored offensive line in this draft. They went out and they drafted Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, uh, who had to play at guard in this game due to injury, and obviously you didn't really notice him too much out there, so he did a serviceable job in his first start of his NFL career. Um, but... You, you question about the protection of Burrow, and do you take that playmaker and Jamar Chase instead of you know building the house around Burrow? And I, I think it was the right choice. The connection that Burrow and Chase had going back to their LSU days is obviously very powerful that they're going to continue to draw from uh, in this season. And, and, and uh, look at the Bengals' offensive line, and yeah, they gave up nine sacks heading into this game, so they haven't been world beaters just yet this year. But Joe Burrow was clean white jersey at the end of this football game. He did not get sacked once. Not only that, Tom, there was not a single quarterback hit by the Steelers all game long. Clean white jersey, man. Didn't even need to take it to the laundry room. He just hung it right back up in his closet for the next road game. Because yeah. it, and that's something that – that's the biggest thing that was puzzling about the Steelers' defensive performance. Because even T.J. Watt being out, Alex Highsmith being out – you figured that Melvin Ingram and Cam Hayward would have been able to make some hay and get Burrow on his butt uh, once or twice in this game, whether that be a quarterback hit, whether that be a sack. You just figured that he'd feel more heat in his kitchen. And other than that Melvin Ingram roughing the passer call, he had, he was, he he could wind his watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Billy say? Have a picnic wind his watch back there before he threw the ball. So... Not enough pressure from a team that, I mean, their bread and butter for the past four seasons has been getting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, they just had the NFL's longest streak of games with a sack broken because of this performance. Like, this is the identity of this football team. And to go up against a lackluster, below-average Bengals offensive line and come away with not just a sack but no quarterback hits either, that's a really tough look. I don't care how injured you are. Yeah, I mean, I— I was talking about the Steelers being without TJ and Tyson and Stefan Tewitt. I completely forgot that Alex Highsmith wasn't on the field as well. And that's something that we talked about going into this game was 
you're confident enough in in Melvin Ingram and Cam Hayward to at least cause something to lead that charge to take enough interest from some of the offensive linemen that one of your teammates can go and get pressure on on Burrow, but you don't even see the pressure. I mean, that's that's the most frustrating thing, right? Is the fact that you can still frustrate him by collapsing the pocket and getting to him, even if it doesn't convert into a sack. But Joe Burrow, to me, Tom, did not look frustrated at any point throughout the game. That's the thing. He looked completely comfortable back there, and you can't let a quarterback of his skill set look comfortable in the pocket. Of his youth. He's going to make you pay. He's good enough to make you pay if you give him enough time, and, and that was on full display uh, against the Bengals on uh, Sunday. Uh, I'm looking at the defensive statistics, and there's just no one that jumps out at you at all. I mean, the leader in tackles was Schobert, Edmonds, and Hayward, who all had a combined five tackles. That's not that much as far as – especially for Schobert uh, in that middle linebacker spot. Minka had four. Wormley had four. Uh, Devin Bush was, like, invisible. He had two assists, never had a a solo tackle at all in this game. Um, Passes defended. There was only two total in the entire game. James Pierre had one. Uh, Terrell Edmonds obviously had the other one on his interception. Uh, the Bengals did everything they wanted to against the Steelers' defense. There's there's no performance that you look at and say, "Wow, this was a great job by this team." There's only there's only two tackles for loss for God's sakes. And Arthur Mollett and Terrell Edmonds had them both. The, the, those are defensive those are, backs those getting the your guys tackles you for expect a loss. to have a tackle for loss. You I want mean, it to be Melvin Ingram. You want it to be Cam Hayward. And you juxtapose that with the Bengals' defensive performance, six tackles for a loss. They hit the quarterback seven times. They sacked Ben four times. Uh, Got two interceptions. Two interceptions from Logan Wilson, who also had 14 combined tackles, their leading tackler. I mean, these are flipped. This Mm -hmm. is The Bengals' defensive box score is usually what you see from the Steelers, Steelers. and the Steelers is what you usually see from the Bengals. But that's not the case in this game. The Bengals' defense dominated, and the Steelers' defense – much like that offense could not get anything really going as far as momentum in this thing. A conversation we had last week was, who would you rather have available to you in this game, Ben Roethlisberger or T.J. Watt? I said Ben Roethlisberger, you said T.J. Watt. Now it's in hindsight, but after watching that game, it's clear to me T.J. Watt, not just in this game, but for the season, is far more valuable than Ben Roethlisberger, and I think that proves two points. A, it proves how little Ben has left to give and how it could be sooner rather than later that you might see another quarterback out there, which is something that we did not want to be talking about. B, it also proves that T.J. Watt is deserving of his contract, which was given to him uh just before the season began and he's deserving of all the cr- all the credit all all of the accolades he's accumulated so far and will continue to 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 uh to win for the rest of his career. He is that good, he is that valuable to a team. And even if you're putting him on a team with a good quarterback like anyone like Aaron Rodgers or Trey Lance or sorry, not Trey Lance, um Jimmy G last night doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think T.J. Watt is one of the very few people who is deserving of a team MVP over the quarterback. There are so many teams out there that need their quarterback to be successful. The Pittsburgh Steelers need T.J. Watt. I mean, there are a lot of teams out there that need a guy like T.J. Watt. Well, I just – 
I'm sitting here too, and I'm thinking, how in the hell did this team beat the Buffalo Bills in Week One? And the missing piece there was obviously T.J. Watt to be out there for the whole game because we the Steelers were without him in the second half against the Raiders, and we know what happened as an end result for that game. Right, and you were without him for the entirety of this game yesterday, and again it was on full display. We said, yes, you may you can teach your uh, your D-backs to not allow that deep ball anymore. You can prepare for that. But you don't even need to have the conversation, most likely, if T.J. Watt is in the game disrupting the pocket. Joe Burrow doesn't have time, or Joe Burrow doesn't have the ability to make that pass because of the presence of T.J. Watt. But he wasn't present. Joe Burrow looked comfortable, and Joe Burrow was able to make that play as if it was routine, as if it were just in practice. And I heard Mike Prezuta say last week in regards to the Raiders game and, and T.J. Watt being out there for the first half but not the second half, in the first half, the Raiders were kicking field goals. In the second half, they were getting the ball into the end zone. And T.J. Watt was making his presence felt in Derek Carr's kitchen all first half long. What was until the, that the score going to halftime? I think 9-7 to seven in favor of the Raiders? They only had field goals. It mm-hmm. was three straight field goals from the, the Raiders' offense. But once T.J. Watt gets out, Derek Carr gets a little more comfortable, a little more time. He starts putting touchdowns up on the board. So I, I think T.J. Watt has that Vaughn Miller kind of X factor in him where he can carry a team into He's the playoffs. The difference he can carry a team into a playoff victory. He can make a playoff run on his own. The problem here is that— Is Ben Payton from that year. Right. Payton, as bad as he was, is do, did more that year than Ben is doing this year. To be fair to him, though— he did have a better running game in Denver that year, and a better offensive. I line. guarantee you, the offensive line was better than this offensive line was in Denver. I don't year. know about the running game because it's not necessarily. I'm I, I'm so. But don't you think, based on the offensive line just having to be better, that they had a better running game? Well, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not willing to say that whoever the running back was that year. You know, he, was he, it he, C.J. Anderson? He wasn't as talented as Najee Harris. No, he wasn't. And it's not but fair not to Najee thing. to say that you're only carrying the ball 13 times for 20 yards if you don't count that one 20 yard run. That's not his fault you cannot put that on i'm him. not putting it on him i'm just no, saying, I'm not saying you are I'm not saying the running game as a whole is yeah, there yeah and that's a combination of a lot of things but it's mainly the offensive line up front so you have that defensive player that can get you to nine ten wins and get you in the playoff race but i just don't know if you have that quarterback anymore like peyton manning because again we, we talked about this in the first episode we did today with that fourth and ten swing pass to Najee harris like even though physically he's not at the level he was, Ben's supposed to be mentally sharp as ever. That's what the Peyton Manning advantage was that year for the Broncos is that mm-hmm. even though he physically couldn't do anything, I mean, he knew what the defense was doing more than the defense actually knew what they were supposed to do by, at that point in his career. And you'd think Ben would be at the same spot as that now, and he should be, but there's no evidence of that based on allowing that fourth down play to go The fourth uh, to down happen. play, the interception he threw in the second half that led to a, a Jamar Chase, his second touchdown of the day. Those two plays just stick out to you as this is not the Ben Roethlisberger that we knew. This is, this is what people were telling. This is what Mike Tannenbaum, guys like him, were predicting. This is the Ben Roethlisberger that just doesn't have it anymore. And it's so indicative. Like, we... I think as a media and as fans get so obsessed with the Brady side of things and the, oh my God, he's 44 years old and he's better than ever. Look at how he's aging so gracefully that we've kind of forgotten how it actually looks and how it's supposed to <laughs> right. look. 
And Ben is how it's supposed to look. It it happens last year. Peyton Manning in twenty. It happens like that to yeah. these players. It's it's a year of going eleven and zero, and then finishing twelve and four, and making the playoffs. Followed by this, like followed this, by a one and two start in which your offense looks the, like one of the worst in the league. These if not the worst. quarterbacks hit cliffs. They don't just gradually get worse and worse, and then you know they're serviceable until they finally just hit their expiration date. No. They hit a cliff, and they drop fast in this league. And you saw it from Peyton. You saw it from Eli towards the end of his career. You saw it from Phillip Rivers, but the Colts, like we said, did a tremendous job of surrounding him with enough pieces that he didn't have to do too much. Um, you don't see it with Brady. You don't see it with Rodgers yet. You still probably will see it with both of those guys eventually at some point, though. But Again, it's not that gradual, okay, he's still serviceable, but you're starting to notice he missed a step. No, it's a it's a nosedive off of a cliff, and I fear, Steelers Nation, that Ben has started to take that nosedive. You think he's started to? I think he is. He's halfway down. He, he, the water is in sight. He, he is off that cliff already, Tom. So it begs the tough question now. Wouldn't it be better suited for the team to put him on the bench? But you can't. Like I want to preface that. Part was, Tom, I want to preface that statement with you can't do it. The worst part was during the during the first half, Adam Crow and I were talking, and the Steelers were coming out onto the field with the offense, and Crow and I were saying to each other, "Do you start Mason in the second half?" You can't. And then, but then that that conversation happened right before the the eighty six yard drive that resulted in the pat firing we touched on, and you're saying, "Oh well." No, there's there's no reason to put Mason out there. Ben looks great. That offense was perfect. Thirteen, what was it? Thirteen plays for eighty six yards. I think it was methodical. It was efficient. It was effective. It, it checked all the boxes you want to see from your offense, led by Ben Roethlisberger with a young Najee Harris. Tons of receiving options. Not even Deontay Johnson out there for you. And then you come out in the second half and you put up three points. And that and throw that interception that he threw in the second half, which was just, again, one of his worst throws of his career. Again, you can't do it. You, you have to ride him out. The only way that he comes out of a game is due to injury now. Um, you're not. Uh, we mentioned this in our first episode today. You're not going to have an Eli Manning situation because you don't have a Daniel Jones. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, but at the time he was the clear heir. He was a number one overall first round, not a number one overall, but he was, he was a, a first one, round pick. He was the number one pick for pick, yeah. the Giants, their number one overall pick in that year. So you had an obvious choice to turn to, and you had somebody that the fans, even though they love Eli, and Eli's probably the best Giants quarterback of all time, they were at least still clamoring for him. There's no Steelers fans at Heinz Field clamoring for Mason Rudolph to get in there. There's no clear heir apparent here. No, if Mason Rudolph is in before is starting games before the 2022 season, going it's back injury. to going back to 2019 and 2021, it's it's not for good reason. It's because of injury, and there's just no way that I think you see Tomlin or the Steelers make that tough decision and say, Ben. We just got to sit you for this one. Yeah. It's time Here's to take a question, you out of the Tom. game. Do you think there is a threshold that is out there that Ben's play becomes so bad? That there's no choice. Yeah, you have to put Mason out there. Because like, here's the thing. Like, what if he gonna, throws four interceptions in the next game? But that's against the Packers. It's a good It's a good team. So you like, got that excuse. Exactly. There are excusable games. That's what I'm saying is that I don't even know if Ben Roethlisberger continues to play at this level if there's going to be a legitimate reason for him to be pulled, looking down the line, yes, you have the, the Packers on the road. That is 
I think we can assume that's going to be a loss. It's going right? to be a loss. Packers uh, look the, great. the Broncos at home. The Broncos have a pretty good defense. They're three and zero right now. Like so I don't. If they win their next game, I don't even know who they play. Who's going to block Von Miller and Bradley Chubb? I don't know. That's what I mean. Their defense is going to be all so over. So you can't us. blame Ben because he's going to be pressured based off of that mismatch on the offensive line versus their defensive line. You have the Seahawks, a good defense. You have the Browns on the road. Struggling, though, Seattle. That's one that you'd circle You're right. And say, they're 1-2. Uh, and two. Yeah. They're 1-2. and two. Uh, another but you know sh- what? They got a better quarterback. That's Oh, the they have a far better quarterback. They have a a far better quarterback, but then you have the Browns on the road. Tough. It's not until the Bears on Monday Night Football in November, which is, I'm going to say, the most excusable or the least excusable bad performance you can give Ben Roethlisberger. That's the the Bears game is the one you circle next and say, okay, I feel like this team should win this one. That's the next game it's, where it's it's that far down the line. Exactly. Um, by the way, you mentioned the Browns game. Uh, did you see what Miles Garrett did yesterday? I did not. He had four and a half sacks, so he might be a problem as far as trying to stop him from getting. Well, okay, so I didn't see what Miles Garrett did individually, but I did know that the Browns totaled nine sacks on Chicago's offensive line. Yeah. So Bears. this we I don't know what people are saying on on Chicago radio networks, Bears radio network. We're talking about how bad our offensive line is here. Chicago's may be just as bad, if not worse. Might be just as bad, if not I worse. I think I saw something that they average. And they have a mobile quarterback. They so. do. I think I saw something where they averaged for the half or maybe for the game one yard per play. <laughs> they had 59 total yards. It was like the lowest since yeah. the Browns in like 2004. Right, I remember that. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opperman. Make sure you tune in to our next episode. You can find it at Steelers.com, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can go ahead and give that a listen. We'll talk to you on that next episode of Steelers Standard.